Hi, my name is Michael Walsh. I'm the chief executive of Voltaic Strategic Resources. We are a minerals exploration company listed on the ASX. Our ticker is VSR, and we're predominantly focused on lithium and rare earth element exploration right now. We've got early stage projects in Western Australia and Nevada, and our primary focus since listing last October has been on our West Australian assets in, located in the Gascoigne region, which is one of the, the most active and exciting hotspots in the country right now. We listed last October at two cents, and we've already gone from early stage greenfields prospects to drilling at two separate projects. So we don't mess around, and we've got a very experienced management team, strong skill set in geology, processing, metallurgy, and capital markets. And yeah, all of us are kind of laser focused on uh, discovery. Laser focused, Michael. Uh, welcome to the show. Um, thanks for joining us. New story. Um, you're not entirely new to me. You, you are a member of the on, on the app. You. Uh, we have spoken before, but we've not spoken about this project before. So I'm kind of keen to get uh, people to understand who you are and what, what you're doing. So let's start with that. Who are you? And then tell us about the team that um, you've kind of built around you. Sure, yeah. Uh, so I'm a chemical engineer by training. I also have an MBA in finance. I've been involved in the, the kind of minerals metallurgy space for about 15 years. Uh, before I joined the team that formed Voltaic, I spent... 10 years with a company called Metso Autotech. They're the world's largest minerals processing technology company. Uh, there I held various technical and senior management positions, including running the minerals mining division for Asia Pacific for a few years, where I had a large team and PL kind of responsibility. Uh, during that time, I had a lot of technical and commercial experience with the majority of producing and uh, developing projects in Asia and Australia including pretty much all of the recent lithium and rare earth development or producing projects in Australia and several nickel, copper, gold projects throughout Asia. And that kind of experience included getting involved with test work, reviewing flow sheets, equipment selections in the study phases, and then attending site for commissioning, optimization or upgrades thereafter, and often intimately getting involved with understanding the process if we were offering performance guarantees and I suppose getting to witness that amount of projects, producing projects in the flesh has been really beneficial for me from a professional point of view, because it's quite challenging to get onto an operating site and most people wouldn't get that um, opportunity. So yeah, getting to see that amount of producing projects has, has been, I suppose, really beneficial. And there was also a non-technical component to the job as well. We were often assisting uh, developers with uh, financial like export credit financing from the Finnish government. And that kind of opened my eyes to like offtake agreements and assisting the banks with their their due diligence uh, because, you know, they, they wanted to de-risk certain flow sheets as much as possible. And that's where they kind of got us as the independent expert to um, to give them that kind of uh, confidence that the the equipment selected is, is going to do the do what it says on the tin. So, uh, yeah, look, I, it was pretty much a job for life. Uh, safe, secure, well-paid, senior management, all that kind of stuff, and uh, decided to leave that to uh, to set up and list Voltaic, and yeah, haven't looked back since. Working in a big kind of institutional environment, it's kind of like I say, it's it's nice, safe, it's a job for life. That someone takes care of the money. Running a public company is very, very different. So let's get on to you know who around you supporting you in, in terms of because this is your first public role, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to need that team around you. So who have you got? Yeah, look, we've got a really experienced team. Um, so the two founders, the guys that kind of got me into the company, John Hannaford, David Izzard, 
John Hannaford, he's a very seasoned operator in the capital market space. He's been on the board of several ASX companies. He's also listed several companies, in, like including Core Lithium, for example. So yeah, very seasoned operator, very well connected, um, over 30 years experience. And then there's David Izzard. He's uh, like a mining entrepreneur. He's had several successful businesses in the past, um, mainly in the mining services business uh, space. And he's also now got several other companies that he's he's founded re- more recently. And in them, from a, a geological perspective, our technical director is Lockton Reynolds. He's currently managing director at Munger Critical Metals. They're a, an early stage explorer as well with some assets in can- Canada and West Australia. And our exploration manager, Claudio Sheriff, he's a very seasoned operator in terms of geology. He's He's can claim two rare earth element discoveries uh, to his name. Uh, Brown's Range Northern Minerals Heavy Rare Earth Discovery about 15 years ago, and more recently, Azra Minerals Yttria uh, Rare Earth and Scandium Discovery as well. And then we've got a very seasoned uh, CFO in Simon Adams. So he's been on several ASX. He's been the CFO for several, several ASX companies as well. So really experienced team across the board. We've got all the skill sets really that we need to progress a company like ours forward. Okay, so you, you've also got a portfolio of, uh, of assets. You, you sort of the, um, the, the projects in the, in the Gascoigne region. You've also got some uh, in the Macuthra region and also and over in Nevada as well. So you, you talk about being laser focused. It's a big portfolio. Um, Tell us a little bit more about what exactly you're focused on trying to deliver to the market. Yeah, so with as you say, like we, we have a, a wide portfolio. That was the the kind of logic when we were putting the assets originally in the to get listed, basically, and have some optionality. We we wanted a lot of exposure to battery metals, so nickel, copper, cobalt, lithium, and rare earth, and also some gold because you know the, there's there's always a place in a portfolio for a bit of gold, and we we pretty much have all of that across all of the projects. But we really decided to focus only on the the lithium and rare earth story in the Gascoigne, and we haven't really progressed any of the other projects yet. So the Nevada nickel cobalt project that's uh, that's for a later date. So is the Mikathara gold and base metal prospect, and all of our attentions over the last nine months has been on our Paddy's World rare earth project and our tea tree lithium project, mainly because of the ac- activity in the area around us, the the, the kind of neurology, the, the success and the neurology that other peers are having in the area and it was kind of it, it made sense for us because both projects are actually relatively close by as well so that when we're exploring one we could spend a couple of weeks at one and then just go to the the other project so it's quite efficient in terms of logistics and yeah the, the main messages were, were lithium and rare earth uh, story right now, Paddy's Well and Tea Tree, basically. Okay, well, well let's well, let's talk about that because because uh, because again, as a small company, you, you know, you just you launched, you've raised a bit of money, you've got to be laser focused, like you say. I always appreciate c- companies that um, you know know how to allocate uh, capital efficiently. But lithium project, you've, t- tell me about the thought process about well, let's 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 focus on lithium and rare earths because it, it kind of feels like lithium. Have you kind of missed the boat there, or would you think your you, your timings? Exemplary. No, I think um, there's there's still huge froth in the market here for for lithium, and like basically our recent uh, capital raise is is a testament to that. Basically, yeah, we uh, we put out some really interesting preliminary early drill results where we hit these really wide pegmatites, and essentially 
that caused a quite a significant share price appreciation. And we we took the we seized the day as it were, and we we did a capital raise. So we we topped up our coffers with seven million bucks, and we originally planned for five million, and we had so much interest, in particular from institutions and more like uh, fund funds that we we didn't have on the register previously. So we we seized that day. We raised at five cents, uh, seven point one million bucks, and yeah, we now have almost ten million dollars in the kitty to uh, progress. Both the lithium project and the railroad project. So, Carpe Diem. Um, let's focus on the lithium bit first. Um, you, th- there's got to kind of be a strategy to this because you know not all companies get into production. You're in the region with lots of other kind of successful plays there at the moment. How, how in your head are you pic- kind of picturing building this story up, but also the potential of the asset up? What, what's the end game? Because my my processing background, I would love to be a like a, a actual developer. If I like that's. It might be pie in the sky, but it's that that's that's my ultimate ambition. I was there for the early days of uh, Pilbara Minerals, and I uh, saw how that transitioned through all that that pain that they got through to um, to where they are now, like the, one of the leading spodumene producers in the world. So that, that that's my personal dream, but you know may never happen. But they, ultimately, we've got over three hundred targets now at our lithium project, three hundred individual pegmatites, which is it's, it's quite huge, basically. We've got a, a neighbor called Delta Lithium. They bought their project for $25 million late last year, and they're drilling almost 100,000 meters into the project. So they have obviously seen the, the scale potential of, of this area. We believe we're on the same geological system as, as they are. And if, if you look at, based on pure land area, we, we've got less area than them. But if you do the, the Goldilocks, area calculation, which is the perspective area where you're likely to find LCT, lithium, cesium, tantalum, we've got, we believe, an equal amount of uh, this perspective corridor to them. So even though they're they're a 300 million market cap company right now and we're the minnow, I think we've, we you know, we, we could potentially get to uh, their valuation if we keep keep pressing hard and, and, and test all of these har- targets that we have. Right, you keep raise, raising this money and, and drilling, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But you've got to do it efficiently, um, always. So um, let's just uh, take a little back step there, trying to explain the kind of significance of pegmatites. You know, you talked about the other company talking about spodumene, you're not there yet. So what have you got to do? And what are these pegmatites uh, indicative of? Look, uh, so pegmatite is basically a child of a granite. So, uh, the granite is the big major uh, geological unit that, is holds the original lithium uh, in its magma, as, and then as the granite magma is cooling, the offspring from the the pegmatites start forming in the in the late stages of, of its crystallization, and then that's when you typically get the lithium to drop out in 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 a particular like once once the conditions are right chemically and the the pressure and temperature are right, that's when you get your economic LCT deposits, and the fact that we've got such a huge frequency of pegmatites, we've just got that higher probability of potentially some of them are actually mineralized. We don't we don't have our assays back yet from our maiden campaign, but even if the assays aren't great from this maiden campaign, we've still got several hundred more targets to test, and we're, we're like we're only scratching the surface. Our our maiden campaign only went down vertically down about thirty meters from from the surface. And the, the guys off the road at Delta, their best kind of hits are at least 100 meters vertical depth below surface. So, yeah, it's, it's early days for us. So, so, why, so why do that then? If, you, if you're able to kind of reference 
you know, I, I kind of not not necessarily always a big fan of the kind of neurology argument, but if you've seen what they've done to kind of create success, why have you said, well, we'll kind of come at this with with you know thirty meter um, drill um, versus going deeper at this point in time? Uh, there's, yeah, there's a couple of reasons. So, first reason is that we want to understand are our pegmatites in the same orientation as theirs. So we want to understand how they behave below surface. The the dip and the, the strike, et cetera, below surface. So that's one factor. So we're using the drill bit as an exploration tool. The second factor is that access. So if if we wanted to get into the, the best parts of our system, we, it would have taken us a lot longer in terms of our program of work applications. So we would have had to clear significant tracks, which would have delayed our um, POW applications by several months, perhaps. And we, we could have you know been six to nine months without any news flow. So we decided to Go for the low-hanging fruit. Get some data. Get some early news flow, and that's what we—that's what we did, and that's that's caused our recent uh, yeah, share price appreciation because we've we've proven now that the pegmatites—they look small at surface. They might look like a little one meter by one meter blob at surface, but now we've seen that these things have huge scale. We've we've hit like sixty-eight meters or fifty-eight meters of continuous pegmatite from surface, and we've we've not uh, hit the boundary of it yet. So. These these are huge pegmatites, and if any of them are mineralized, that's that's a serious amount of tons. If uh, you know, and we've got three hundred that are left to test. Right, and just answer the. So it was all about news flow, news flow, and news flow and geological okay. information, basically. Right. Okay. Um. Again, we always talk about that balance between you know managing the market and and actually doing what you want to do in terms of the geology. Um, you've got to do things the right way, but at the same time, you've got to give the market. News, so I, I get that 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 tension there. And I should point out as well, Matt, that that so we collected, like, basically since listing, we we were collecting rock chips, and during the the worst part of the summer system up there, and basically the the rock chips were telling us that there is an LCT element, like we're getting a thousand ppm lithium at surface, so it's definitely an LCT pegmatite. Right. And typically lithium lithium weathers, and you, you should get in theory better grades at depth. And therefore, we weren't, we weren't just drilling barren pegmatites. We knew that there was an LCT element to the to the rocks. So yeah, we're, we're not we're not just cowboys and just putting a hole where um, just randomly, basically. You're not wildcatting. Um, okay. Um, well, that maybe answers the next question, which is around because obviously people, you know, they they I think have been programmed to appreciate that spodumene is where the economics start kicking in. Um, you've gone straight into a kind of phase two drill program without the assays back from phase one, um, why? Uh, essentially, the, the two reasons. Um, the first is because we, hadn't, we haven't got the contacts. We, we don't know the full extent of these pegmatites. So we, they're basically open at depth. And typically the best, the most perspective part of the, the, the mineral system is likely to where your contact of the pegmatite is with, with the, the granite beneath. So that's likely where the best assay is going to be in your in your pegmatite, where, where it meets that contact point. So we're, we're trying to find that point now with a, with a deeper campaign. And it'll, it'll also give us some, it, it just defines how, how wide is this like 58 meter unit from surface? How wide is the actual pegmatite system that we're looking at just for that particular target, for example? And we, we're, we have, we've already undertaken some XRD mineralogy tests to check like what's causing this lithium anomalism. Is it, is it, spodumene or are we, is it lipidolite or is it some other uh, lithium mineral but we we do know that there is lithium in the system we've got the you know thousand ppm at surface at a couple of targets 
and the XRD results we're hoping to have in about two weeks as well before the assays. But look, we, we had enough confidence that um, if you looked at the history of the, the original discovery called Malinda, where these guys at Delta are drilling, they drill several drill holes like us at the start and they their best assays, some of the holes were not mineralized at all until, and they might get a sniff at at least 150 meters below. So we wanted to make sure that the this maiden campaign, this modest and maiden campaign had the best chance of getting some actual mineralization, even though we know we're, we're nowhere near in the best part of the system yet. Well, that begs the question is, if, you, if you're not, so when you say, you mean below ground, not necessarily in terms of where, where you're drilling, but you're talking about. Well, yeah, but both actually, because basically it, it is all about this access. So if right. we know that the, the most prospective area is in a particular geological unit called the, the leak spring metamorphics. It's it's uh, it's basically a metamorphic uh, rock that's beside the granite, and it does contain pegmatites. But to get in there on our tenure, we would basically need to clear tracks, and to do that, we will need to do a serious heritage survey, native title heritage survey, and uh, the POW is likely to take much much longer. So rather than you know wait six months, we we decided to get get enough information now so that we can be even more laser focused in these subsequent campaigns because now we know which way these things are dipping and striking okay understood and let's come back to your conversation about we hit with confidence move to phase two because it's really important because you know unfortunately for you the the market is littered with people who have confidence but not necessarily grounded in intelligence data or or otherwise the case of trying to look busy so um the confidence for phase two is it kind of is it a proper phase two or is it is it phase phase one and a and b I'm trying to work it out. Yeah, yeah, it's phase A and B basically. Right. Okay, okay, okay. So, that, so that's kind of cool. Um, so, what, what does the rest of this year look like in terms of that um, drill program, assays coming out, and the, the kind of data that you would hope to be able to present to market? What, what, what would good look like in the, in the near future? So, yeah, for just on the lithium project, T tree. So, the the next stage for us. So, we'll we'll complete this. We've got a three thousand meter campaign, and we will drill all of our uh, several targets that we have now. Uh, some of them, not not the targets from phase one, but the these new ones, basically. And then also, in the meantime, do lots of geophysical surveys, like uh, magnetics, radiometrics, and also we're looking at gravity as well as a, a survey that hasn't been tested in the area before, but it has the Canadians are using it to quite really good effect. And we'll also do an extensive soil sampling campaign. And soil sampling seems to be a really you, you, a good prospect for generating your 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 good targets because you, you you don't look for lithium in soil you look for the pathfinders so that that survey plus the geophysics they'll give us our next you know phase two level of targets for the for the next campaign and that should take us to the end of the year and uh yeah we'll, we'll just basically keep keep trying to build these targets up on our value pyramid so that we're, we're at say priority three targets now we'll get to priority two and then eventually priority one okay it's basically okay and then we've also got this rare earth story as well. Well, no, I want to come to that. Don't worry. We, there's a plan to this interview. <laughs> we, we're professionals here. Um, so just one just before we finish off on the lithium component. So was it John Hannaford that had the connection with Core Lithium? One of the- yeah, he was He was one of the corporate advisors for the, the original listing. Right. Okay. Okay. But not involved in the, the operation per se. No, no, he wasn't. No. No, okay, gotcha. Okay, fine. Okay, so um, let's let's come on to the rare rare earth, uh, Paddy's well, uh, rare earth project. Now, lithium's lithium is a is a co- complex 
um, metal, but rare earths even more so and even less understood. So again, um, what do you, how much time, money, et cetera, are you allocating to this as a percentage of your budget? I suppose I'll, let, let me set the scene. So look, I've, I've got a quite a long history in rare earths. Uh, one of my first jobs when I came to Australia was commissioning at the Mount World Concentrator back in 2010, I think it was. And and a lot along the way, you know, been been back there for various times to uh, look at different things. And then also more recently working on the Yanjibana Rare Earth Project, which is probably the, the Gascoigne region where we are. That's the, the main, most advanced project. Uh, this Hastings Technology Metals there, they've got the Yanjibana Rare Earth Project. It's kind of unique because it's got this very enriched uh, neodymium praseodymium component. And the if you look at just TREO, the head grade on TREO might seem quite low at 1% compared to say the, the world-class Mount Weld, which is like 8%. And, but the, the concentrate that Yanjibana produces is so much cleaner and higher in NDPR than Mount Weld that it's, that's why it's got such a high prospects for you know, really low OPEX and uh, should be very profitable. So it's, it's got a very clean concentrate. The metallurgy is really nice. I, I was part of a lot of the uh, test work for that project and also the flow sheet selections and also helping them with the export credit finance. So I know a lot about the project. So the, the Gascoigne seems to have some unique metallurgy in terms of the, the rare earths that are there. There's also a very um, good company called Dreadnought Resources. They've had major success with rare earths in this region uh, over the last two years. They're one of the best performing stocks on the ASX because of that Mangaroon rare earth project, which is up near us as well. Um, so basically we knew that we're, we're in a really good area for for rare earth elements claudio is a very seasoned rare earth guy he's been about over 20 years now in rare earths exploration and when myself and him were first on ground back in october we basically grew that project uh, over 450 percent because of the prospectivity we're seeing on ground and basically the the mapping that's done by the the gswa the local government is, is not fully correct. There's lots of deep tapping structures that were we, we saw outcropping that weren't that were mapped as deep cover. So we grabbed as much extra ground as we could because of the prospectivity. And we've already done our first drill program. It was a shallow clay focused program. Um, basically chemical about 30 years ago were up sniffing around the area and looking for uranium. And we got some of that old data and they found some quite anomalous wide zones of rare earths we we basically twinned that and got even better results and we've now got say a huge clay system identified like 80 meters of continuous clay hosted mineralization from surface and we could we, we basically could drill that for the next five years and you know get 100 million tons it's like there's at least six kilometers by two kilometers of anomalism at surface in, in these clays and but we've decided to get straight onto the metallurgy and to see is there any point in chasing these clays further to basically determine is there an ionic component to the clays meaning will they leach in a in a basically a fertilizer solution of ammonium sulfate at ph4 and if they don't if there's not like at least 40 percent of the material that will recover in those conditions then we will basically stop chasing clays and only focus on the primary hard rock rare earth targets. 
So that's that's basically a prudent use of capital in our, our view. Uh, well, okay, you, you've ex- you explained some of the kind of commercial imperatives there as well. Because if you know, if, if using your example of, of dreadnought resources, they've given back everything that they gained, you know, from twelve months ago. You know, they're, they're, they're you know they're back down around you know five cent level again because it's a complicated market. Um, it's it's a very um, you know, little understood thing in terms of investors as well. So you sound like you're very aware of that and you don't necessarily want to destroy value or to waste money. Um, so you're going after some very specific data to allow you to make those decisions to, to move on. Um, what, so what time frame are you giving yourself in terms of making making that decision? Because again, because I, I I worry I worry that kind of investors get confused about you know whether it's a lithium story, rare earth story, or gold story, cobalt story, etc. So, give us a sense of how you're thinking about it. We should have the metallurgical results in the next at least four weeks. We we, we hope, and basically, if if they're not favorable, uh, we will stop see seize all work on the clays, and but still we've got several primary targets as well. What are what are called carbonatite primary targets, where you've got basically a magnetic high anomaly with a, a weak thorium anomaly that, that are coincident. And we've got several of those to, to follow up. And uh, I think what, what will happen in this area most likely is, so you've got Hastings have about 30 million tons. Dreadnought have, I think, about 14 at the moment, and they're aiming for about 50. It's In my opinion, it's very likely that some much bigger player will put the whole lot together and you know combine the whole lot. There's already like big iron ore billionaires sniffing around. And they've already invested quite significantly in the Hastings project. So I think, and there's also Iluca uh, resources, they're uh, mineral sands, but they're building a refinery about 200 kilometers to the west. So it's very likely that someone like Iluca, you would produce a concentrate from any of these projects and then just sell that to Iluca, who will then turn it into a separated oxide. That's the most logical thing, I think. Uh, if the government can get their act together and actually, you know, support some downstream processing here, um, but yeah, I, I think I think the, the area is shaping up like it's. I look at already know that it's got some really attractive rare earths here. They're really clean. Their metallurgy is really nice, and the, the, there will be there could be a hundred million tons resource between both clays and hard rock. So it does have some serious like global significance. And I think the long game is yeah, waiting for, for someone like that to take all of these companies out who have actual resources. As you say, someone with a balance sheet to to do that, but also the technical know-how, because it's a very, it's a very te- technical um, sector um, as well. You know, m- most people kind of, you know, have deference to the, 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 the Chinese input there and the significance of the capital they bring, but also conscious of what's going on with regards to that kind of east-west divide when it comes to rare earths at the moment. Um, okay, uh, Michael, look, I pre- appreciate kind of running through the, the, the assets there. I mean, how are you finding the, the, the markets at the moment? Obviously, your share price doesn't seem to mind, but um, it's, it's pretty tough out there. It, it, look, it is a, definitely a tough market. It's quite schizophrenic, really. Uh, one day it's, you know, elation, and the next day it's down in the doldrums and Seems if when the U.S. sneezes, uh, that we kind of catch a cold here. It's, um, but I think there is still a lot of froth in in lithium, and there's, I think there's quite a lot of uh, interest from the the majors in some of the projects where we are, and it, there's there's already been buying on market by some of the big billionaires uh, into Delta, so that that's a kind of a, a strong signal that 
supply is short. And even though I know uh, it, all the downstream is done now in China, but there are some refineries coming on here in Western Australia. They they haven't really published any uh, kind of uh, production data yet, but they, they will soon hopefully be up and running here with two separate hydroxide plants. So I think there is, you know, there is a scope to like de-China, de-Chinify your, uh, your supply chain here if, if the U.S. really wants to pal pal you with 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 Australia, so um, and I think that's why there there is so much interest in securing actual raw materials. And even even though like the spodumene and all the the prices have come back quite a bit, they 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 do seem to have bottomed, and there 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 is a bit of a rebound as well coming. So well, well yes, I mean it's it's come off across the board. Um, mm-hmm. I think in terms of the the metals price, but. Um, the demand numbers don't seem to have changed too much of anything. No. Well, certainly not negatively. And, and lithium does seem to be the, yeah, and lithium does seem to be the, the one, the, the like LFP now is the, seems to be the most dominant chemistry in China and lithium, you, you can't basically get rid of it if you want, if you want that really, you know, nice charge times and cycle times. So I know sodium ion is touted to be the next best thing, but it's probably only going to be good for storage energy storage yeah well i guess that's when you'll um, whip out whip out your uh, vanadium project um <laughs> michael i really lovely to um hear a story uh, about the projects how you're coming about and, and obviously be introduced to the team um so when can we expect the assays coming out uh, so we hope in about three weeks time and even before that we might have some uh, xrd some mineralogy before that if uh, if the labs can produce that in time as well so hopefully identifying whatever lithium mineral is causing the anomalism 